This is what really sits at the foundation of creating wealth, becoming wealthy. And it can start, we have taken people that have started in their late 60s through this process, people barely in their 20s, people with lots of money, people with no money, people hopelessly in debt, people with good, solid, strong financial backgrounds all across the board. What Jimmy promised is this is the fast track. This is collapsing time to achieving unusual results. It's not what we invest in, it's how. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. What's up, guys? This is the Rise Up Live Free podcast. And today we are incredibly excited because we are going to talk about probably the cornerstone idea inside the Cashflow Tactics movement. It is half of the financial freedom formula. It's one of our core base ideas. And it came, it's a longstanding economic principle, but the man to distill it out, crystallize it was Bradley Gibb. And he's been waiting so long to bring this podcast. So patiently, so many episodes. This is, oh, this is, the development of this was, uh, this is everything I studied for like 10 years to try to organize the investing world together. And now we have it as part of the financial freedom formula. It's amazing. It's genius. And it's it. so important. We got the whole gang here. Ryan is in in the house as well. You want to say hi, Ryan? What's up, everyone? You know, the thing I like about this concept today is if you want to go fast, if you are ready to take control over your financial plan and become financially free in 10 years or less, this is the key. This is the engine behind that success. And we're going to dive right into it. All righty. So on this podcast today, we're going to tell the story of how I discovered the four pillars. You ready to get started on this, Brad? This is one of my all-time favorite stories. This is when Jimmy and I became BFFs. So it, it all, what is this, like 2017-ish? 16-ish? Yeah, 16. I think it was 2016. So what really had happened is Ryan, I'm just discovering this um, infinite banking. Ryan had sold me like eight policies in three months. Like I made his 2016. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> And so there's these other guys in St. Louis kind of doing the same thing, kind of writing books about life insurance. So they had a conference and I invited Ryan up. Be like, you got to try, we got to come do this stuff. And then Ryan ditched me and sent Brad and me and Brad kind of knew each other at the time. Kind of didn't. Not really at all. Ryan's just like, get on a plane and go hang out with this guy. We'll see where this goes. And I was very ill prepared for what I was stepping into. I wish yeah. I had a good story for why I ditched it. I can't, I can't even remember why I did it. Probably because I'm an introvert and I already spent as much time as I could spend with Jimmy selling him the eight <laughs> policies. That could have been it. So we get to this conference and it was a dud for sure. Oh, I remember. And I think midway through, I get, halfway through it. Yeah, I, it was a beautiful St. Louis summer day and I got really bored about halfway through it. And I was just like, uh, let's go wakeboarding. So I knew I had a new bestie friend who was also Mormon. And so I loaded up the cooler with beers, gave the keys to my truck and boat <laughs> to Brad. Go. 
Yeah, we got another friend involved to spot on the wakeboard. <laughs> we had a great day. And so in this day, after like I needed to get my head a little rattled after falling a few times on the wakeboard, after, you know, getting in a really lucid spot, you know, Brad sits me down and starts explaining four pillars to me in the beautiful, on the beautiful Mississippi River as we in just, the sunset. Like, as, if you're listening, can you guys picture it? it? It was Huck Finn style. We were just sitting there in the sun, floating down the river, not a care in the world. And then we get into the concepts and Jimmy, he pulls on the thread of the sweatshirt and then starts unraveling it and down the rabbit hole we go until I finally, because Jimmy started firing questions like, why don't you do Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin wasn't a thing then, but why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why wouldn't you do this? And I, I would tell him each thing individually why. And then I was finally like, Jimmy, stop. Like the reason why you're so distracted here is you don't have a framework to understand what moves you ought to make. And I was like, Jimmy, you, you have a gold mine sitting right in front of you that you're ignoring. And here's why. And then we dove into what now we've refined even further to what we call the four pillars. But I told him, I said, in every investment, there's four possible ways to make money. And every investment pays out in those, or at least has the potential to pay out in those four ways. And so we need to align it against that, those four ways to understand what our outcome is going to look like. So here's the thing that's powerful about the four pillars. I mean, you know, when we launched Cashflow Tactics, we wanted to make this really a set of tools, right? So for every dollar that comes into your life, you could make decisions based off of a really clear path and promise towards financial freedom in 10 years or less. And, you know, when we were building this, we wanted to evaluate the math behind it. Can someone actually become financially free in 10 years or less? So we validated it with me. We validated it with Jimmy. We validated it with Brad. We validated it with, you know, several of our initial people that started going through this process with us. And we realized regardless of your age, income, or your experience, if you will just focus and double down on the simple things that actually work, and this is where the four pillars get so powerful, this is how you go fast. So we're going to go down the rabbit hole today, Brad, right? Jimmy, you're going to pull on the thread or the string on the sweater again. We're going to go down the rabbit hole and we're going to identify what the four pillars are. And then as you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about your investments, where you're putting your money and ask yourself how many of the four pillars are you actually capturing in what you're doing? And, and then, guys, the promise for listening to this podcast, I promise you by listening to this, if you don't know what the core four, four pillars are yet, if you were to put four pillars blinders on like I did after this beautiful Mississippi cruise, you will skyrocket. It's impossible. Anything's possible. But if you understand core four, four pillars and start implementing four pillars, you will go fast. And that's why we do say, yeah, financial freedom, 10 years, almost inevitable if you're inside this frame. Well, and Ryan says something important, regardless of age, income, or prior experience. Like people say, well, it takes money to make money. That cannot possibly be true because some caveman crawled out of a cave one day and somehow got wealthy, right? So somebody had to do it the first time, right? And we hear all the rags to riches stories. This is what really sits at the foundation of creating wealth, becoming wealthy. And it can start, we're got, we have taken people that have started in their late 60s through this process, people barely in their 20s, people with lots of money, people with no money, people hopelessly in debt, people with good, solid, strong financial backgrounds all across the board. What Jimmy promised is this is the fast track. This is collapsing time to achieving unusual results. It's not what we invest in, it's 
how. All right, we ready to you ready to go over the first pillar of the four pillars, Brad? Let's break it down. Okay, pillar number one is appreciation. And we're going to start here because it's the pillar everybody is taught and is familiar with. Appreciation is the thing I buy, I want it to be worth more tomorrow than it is today or sometime in the future. And the qualification to this is the only way I get paid is once I dispose of that asset, I sell that asset, I exit from it, I have to transact and exit the asset to get paid, okay? And 97% of the investments out there, 97% of the people looking, doing analysis are only focused on this one pillar of the thing I buy goes up in value. I think this is where most people get stuck. This is where I found myself stuck, right? I mean, you know, I came out of college I, without thinking about it, I just defaulted into what everyone else is doing. And I started putting my money in a 401k. And, you know, that was like the, the, just the default. That was the holy grail. That's where you start. You max out your 401k and then you figure out other things after that. But I'll never forget, you know, when I lost about 80% of what I had saved, I started opening up the conversation of how do I go faster? How do I make a better return? But with appreciation, I think the biggest thing that I kept butting up my head against was I didn't control it. Like the second I bought anything, I was relying on perception and market-based opinions to hopefully grow my asset base. I had zero control over how to force that appreciation, which meant no matter what I did, I was always stuck and I always felt like I was out of control in my own financial plan. And and I think inside of our community, you know, when people come to Cashflow Tactics, they've hit this breaking point, right? Most people come to Cashflow Tactics not out of you know, this blissful dream of becoming financially free, they come to cash flow tactics because they're in so much pain. And that pain stems from just this idea that the only way they're crossing their fingers and hoping to make money is through the appreciation of assets. And they at one point realize they don't control that game. And even if you get into something that is a lock, sure, no question, you're going to make money. The other element that's uncontrollable is when. How long will it take? And inside of the game of cash flow tactics, our definition of financial freedom is not a bunch of money in an account, right? It's not a net worth based goal. And we we are the only people I've ever heard of putting a very definite time frame around because if you wait long enough, anyone can be financially free. Well, that, if you want to be financially free of retirement, and that's why like, yeah. the very first thing we talk to people about when we say ninety seven percent of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or wrong. We use Robert Kiyosaki's phrase to say, look, savers are losers. Now, not that saving is a bad thing, but the fundamental requirement of appreciation is you have to wait a long enough time for the market to tell you that your assets have gone up in enough value for you to then make a profitable exit. Yep. Okay. So that's pillar number one. Yeah. Just to kind of wrap up that first pillar is it's the seen versus the unseen. What everybody's talking about, and we did a whole nother podcast about it, is essentially speculating buying an asset at A price and selling it for price B and then collecting the Delta. And that it's just, it frustrates me to no end that mo- what most people call investing isn't investing at all. It's speculating. But when you do invest the underlying asset, you would like it to appreciate in value. Yes or no? hundred percent. I've made lots and lots and lots of money off of appreciation, but I was able to control my timeframes to becoming financially free because I had the other pillars in motion. Sweet. So let's, uh, what do you got for the second pillar, Brad? Okay. Pillar number two 
this pillar is the most important of all the pillars. It's the one that we named our company after, right? It is cash flow. But I'd want you to be very, very careful before you assume something cash flows when it really doesn't. It has to cash flow and allow you to retain ownership of the asset. Cash flowing is not transacting to put more money in your bank account. That's a disguised way of actively taking advantage of appreciation. Okay. Can you give an example of that, Brad? Say again? Give an example of that, what you're talking about. I could actively trade options and over very short periods of time, my option could become valuable. I could sell it and put money in. And if I tracked that over a period of time, it would feel like cash flow. But as soon as I stopped the active activity of trading, my cash flow would stop. And the only way to put the money back into my bank account more than went out is to sell the asset each time. So this has to have an asset that you simultaneously have and it can continue to go up in value while on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis adding money to my bank account. And it's cash money in my pocket. And this is where a lot of people get confused and go back to traditional investments like in the stock market. They think that you know, a dividend coming out from a company is a version of cash flow. And it's like you said, Brad, I mean, if you're taking that money out of your portfolio, then your portfolio is actually going down in value. But if we bring this over to an asset like real estate, Jimmy, you see this in your world every single day. The asset class of real estate generally goes up in value and you taking a positive rental income out of that portfolio does nothing to impact or slow down the asset class going up in value. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, for example, you know, flipping a few houses a month starts to feel like cash flow, but that's a pure example of what Brad's talking about. Yeah. Yes. It is so not it's independent cash of the, flow. It's independent of the asset, right? I could yeah. buy a share of stock that pays a dividend, which I could still own the share. It would go up in value and it would put quarterly money in my pocket. That's an example of an asset that could do that. So, Again, we're delete the type of asset from your mind while you're listening to this and understand the fundamental elements underneath it. Okay. So here comes a tangent. Here comes a tangent for you. Why don't most people, why didn't I understand this concept or was even told about this concept till I was like 33? Because 97% of people don't understand it. Advisors don't understand it. And the more insidious answer is as you look at the most investments out there, the all four pillars are present, but you're only presented with one of them. So there's no incentive for the wealthy or those putting investments together to offer you anything more than you're asking for. I love the phrase that as I bargain with life for a penny, something or other, and then like realize you can get paid whatever you want. I don't remember the whole phrase of that, that thing, but that's the idea is you just get what you ask for. If you just want appreciation, people will structure investments and give that to you all day long. But what you don't understand is the smart investors behind the scenes are the ones collecting the other three pillars. I want to do a podcast one day on the conspiracy theory of traditional finance, because whether we want, I mean, we don't want to go down this rabbit hole on this podcast, but why people don't understand this or are not taught this is because the machine only operates if most of the people out there are stuck and cogs in that will. So like this is what true freedom is about. When you understand how money works and how you can truly own and control your time, you're now not, I mean, traditional investing, stock market investing doesn't even appeal to me. I don't even care. It's the siren's call is dead to me now because I understand the four pillars. And I'll say one more, Jimmy, this is probably the more broad answer is it's easier to invest for appreciation. It doesn't require much time (laughs) 
much expertise, much involvement. We get this all the time of like, oh, but it's hard to do that. Well, yeah, being financially free is not easy. Right? It's simple, but it's not easy. And so it does require work. And most people just don't want to put it in. And then the, as I just ask you that question, kind of answering my own question and thinking about it, it's like probably the reason cash flow doesn't get talked about that much because it's hard. <laughs> like, and it's yep. not like, it's not clearly seen where an, an asset going up in value is very easy to describe and very easily seen. Yep. All right. What's the third pillar? Okay. Third pillar. This is the pillar that most people avoid. And it's also very misconstrued, but it's the pillar of taxes. Okay. A dollar is not a dollar is not a dollar, okay? A dollar pre-tax is very, very different than a dollar after tax. And if I can make it two alternate investments, but one produces a return that I then have to pay taxes on and the other does not, those investments are not equal. And the single greatest destroyer of wealth is the rate at which you have to pay taxes. And so we focus on investments that eliminate tax. I never, so my goal is I make money, I have a system that I pay the least amount possible to the government. And then I never, ever, ever, ever have a conversation with them ever again. I never want anything that I do with that money afterwards to have to hit my tax return. And so I look for investments that reduce or eliminate my taxes. I think the best way that I've grown to understand this, you know, there are some weird people out there, Brad Gibb who like to read the tax code, right? I mean, Brad, like you get a kick out of really understanding the tax code. And honestly, man, I'm grateful for that because that, you know, for me, it's kind of like the matrix and you're really good at looking into the matrix and pulling the reality back out. But when you really think about how the tax code works, it's not really meant to say, hey, all people should pay taxes and this is just ironclad the way it is. The tax code is really meant, it's kind of like a, a carrot, right? The, the IRS uses the tax code to manipulate, to incentivize, to encourage the economy to do certain things. And so when, they, when we talk about tax deductions, that's the IRS's way of saying, look, we want you as an individual to do certain things, run a business, buy real estate. And when you do those things, you now get the incentive of eliminating or paying less in taxes. And that's really what the tax code is written to do. Most of the tax code is written to tell you how to not pay taxes if you follow the behavior that the IRS wants you to follow. And again, I want to be really clear on taxes here. Don't be duped. We have to, just like cash flow, I have to produce cash flow while retaining control and ownership of the asset. I have to get tax benefits while still letting that cash flow come to me and impact my life. Because there are super sweet, awesome, fun ways that I can invest and not pay any taxes as long as I never want to touch the money ever again. Yeah. That's, not very, that's not very fun. That doesn't change or impact my life, right? Jimmy, let me ask you this. If I said, hey, Jimmy, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but you can't have it for 30 years. Does your life tomorrow look any different? No. No, it, it didn't change anything, right? So we don't take tax incentives that are outside the scope of when we want to be financially free. So we have to be able to realize the appreciation, realize the cash flow, and not pay taxes on it. Brad's kind of hitting around at is the whole traditional financial planning tells you to defer taxes, yeah. not invest in tax advantaged assets. And we talked about in the last episode of the uh, core four, but deferring asset, we're not going to get into this episode again, but yep. 
We went down a deep rabbit hole, but, but deferring your tax liability is a very bad decision. Well, here's one thing I want to point out with this. Like, I, I think it's always helpful to take a step back before we ever make any investment decisions. You have to ask yourself what you want. And if you want the million dollars 40 years from now, then awesome, make that decision. But what the people in our community wants, they want to own and control their time now, today. So what that tells us and what that helps us understand is we have to focus on cash flow and eliminating taxes, not deferring the ticking time bomb of taxes. So when you understand what you want, then you can say, okay, what vehicles and tools get me that outcome? All right, let's hit up with the fourth pillar, Brad. Hey, fourth pillar. So we have covered to this point, appreciation. That's the, the most common. We've covered cash flow, which is the most important. Taxes, which is probably the, the most hidden. And then the last pillar is leverage. Okay, Uh-oh, and leverage. Debt. You can't get wealthy being in debt, Brad. Right. This pillar is to get out of it all before you do anything else and ever try to advance your life. No, leverage is the most powerful pillar. Okay. But some, well, Jimmy, we'll go to that in just a second, but I want to hit a couple qualifiers on this right out of the gate. Leverage is the most powerful pillar and no one has ever been financially free without leverage. Okay. But understand this, leverage by itself does not produce a return. Leverage only amplifies the return that you're getting in the other three pillars. It makes everything you're doing bigger, but it only makes it bigger. It has no direction. So if you're going to go make money, leverage will help you make more money faster. But if you lose money, leverage will help you lose that money in bigger ways faster as well. It only amplifies and it has no feelings. It has nothing. So leverage, I guess I'm the most powerful, but it cuts both ways. I mean, it's a very powerful, very misunderstood idea. Like in the middle ages, you were excommunicated for charging interest. I mean, it's a loaded, loaded topic for sure. Well, hey, here's, here's how I like to look at it because, man, I, I, I'll be honest that, you know, I came up in a Dave Ramsey type of mentality. That was my mentality and that served me really well, but it made, really, it made it really hard for me to get over my misconceptions around money to get into the game of actually using leverage. And the way I like to think about it now is, you know, most people, when they think of leverage and use leverage, they're using it as a consumer. They're buying some doodad, something, and they're using credit to buy that thing which means they then have to trade their time to pay back the credit that they leveraged because they didn't actually buy an asset. They didn't buy anything that put money in their pockets. When you use leverage as an investor, you focus on the second pillar that we were talking about, buying an asset that generates cash flow. And now leverage actually works to your favor. You get to use a small amount of money, buy an asset that generates enough cash flow to pay the leverage and still put money in your pocket. That is the only way to go fast. That is the only way, like you said, Brad, to achieve true financial freedom in 10 years or less. But it's, it's simply understanding what you're going to do with that leverage. Because if you use it as a consumer, then that's why most people are stuck. They go out and they put a bunch of money on a credit card. They didn't actually buy anything that's getting them their time. Yep. And so I'm going to tie it all together real quick. Well, and I want to, when I got off the boat that day, I got to do a couple more comments about leverage because I, we've got to qualify okay. this to the nth degree. First off, leverage is not only financial right? We can get leverage on people's time. This is why a business is so incredible is we can be sitting here on a podcast and we can have employees and contractors and systems out running two things at the same time. So we can leverage time. We can leverage systems. We can leverage connections. We can leverage expertise. Jimmy, I buy houses 
from you and they get renovated and tenants get in there and they get managed because I'm leveraging your expertise, right? So leverage comes in multiple facets that we have to learn to identify and understand and control. Second qualification is if we decide to use financial leverage, the place where most people go awry on this is they don't match the asset to the leverage used. They use short-term leverage on a long-term asset or a long-term leverage on a short-term asset. The timeframes and types of assets and debt have to match up or else you're going to be in terrible trouble. We'll do another podcast on that entirely. But well, I Let's do a quick, a quick example of what that means, Brad. Like so I, if I want to buy a long-term cash flowing asset, a house that I want to hold for 30 years and just have it pay itself off and put cash in my pocket, but I go out and I get a HELOC to buy it. Well, my cash flow is long-term, but that payment is going to adjust frequently. And I could end up in a situation that even though I bought the right asset at the right time at the right price, something external to my investment could upend it and put me in negative cash flow and force me to lose money. And it had nothing to do with the asset. It had to do with how I understood and utilized cash flow. Whereas if I could have locked that debt in to where either the payment moved with the cash flow or it didn't move at all, more ideally then I can more predictably utilize that lever. Well, let's go back really quick too and just hit on those other components of leverage because I think, again, it's so critical to understand what you want. If you don't want to own and control your time, then maybe you don't need to use leverage of other people's expertise. And this is, again, where I got stuck in the beginning. I thought leverage was just financial. And when I went out to buy real estate, what did I do? I tried to swing the hammer. I tried to collect rent from the tenants. And man, one of these days we'll have to tell you all the horror stories. I am the worst rent collector in the entire world and I can't fix anything to save my life. And because I wasn't willing to use someone else's expertise, leverage, I was trading more of what I wanted, more time. I had two part, I had a full-time job and a part-time job in real estate thinking that that was going to get me what I wanted. Leverage really came down to understanding that there are really good people like Jimmy Vreeland who can find properties, rehab properties, renovate properties and collect rent for on my behalf. And I pay Jimmy a good wage to do that, but I get to leverage his expertise and get the result that I'm looking for, which is owning, controlling my time. And so once you on the boat that day, Brad, once you put me through this, these thought exercises, you capped it off with saying, hey, you don't do anything and you don't invest in anything or spend your time on anything that doesn't have these four things because they kind of interlace and they hedge each other. It's very few when you speculate, it's either assets go up or they go down. And if they go down, you lose. And if you're using leverage, you, you know, you're going to double lose. And then a lot of speculations, you have to pay ordinary income tax on, which you don't want to do. And you have to then find the next investment and pay the taxes again. And you need that monthly cash flow to ever be financially free. And what I loved about the four pillars was, and by the way, there's only three assets in the economy that have these four pillars, vaults, whole life insurance policies, rental real estate, and your own business. But what got me going was the hedge that even if there is a market shock and underlying assets go down, that doesn't mean I still lose anything, especially in rental real estate. Yep. And this is why people, that the four pillars is what allows you to move fast and to move with certainty, right? In 2007 is when I started investing in real estate, late 2007, or sorry, early, late 2006, early 2007. And my timing was pretty terrible. 
But because I stuck to the core four and four pillars, my timing didn't matter. Yes, all of my assets took a 30% haircut in 2008 and 2009. On paper? On paper. But because I cash flowed, I controlled and understood my leverage and I was not paying taxes. I just sat back and collected rent checks and I still, my, my game plan still moved forward. I didn't lose a single, I didn't actually end up losing anything on those properties. And a dozen years later, I sold them all for twice what I paid for them. And I, then I was able to celebrate and rein in that appreciation pillar because I had leverage, because I, that I controlled and I had cash flow. So people ask all the time, like, oh, like, People are so stressed about their investments because they're only playing that appreciation pillar and there's always uncertainty around that. But if I have all four of them, it builds that certainty in that no matter what the market's doing, no matter what's happening, I can build a game plan, I can move forward and I can take action. Well, then also, let's say a tenant skips town or destroys the house and you, you got no rent for three months. Is it time to panic? Are you losing? Yeah, we should just throw in the towel because Brad and Ryan and Jimmy promised me that no bad things ever happen. <laughs> but no, because of the four pillars, maybe your house is appreciating, but even if there's no tenant, even if it's not appreciating, you are still making money from the tax code yep. and you are still paying down an amortization. Now, granted, you don't yep. want to not lease out a, te- a house for 30 years, but you have time. You have uh, some robustness and even a little bit anti-fragility built in in any investment that has the four pillars. Well, and this is the power of the four pillars. So Brad, when we first started putting this together for our individual portfolios, I remember we would do an annual review and we're now going back to that with our empire builders inside of Cashflow Tactics, but we would do an annual review of, of our personal portfolio and we'd look at the four pillars and how those returns yep. stacked on each other. And I'll, I'll never forget, we had one year where I thought we had a dump, right? I thought we had a dump out in Houston we had to like replace the whole driveway. Driveway, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, like several thousand dollars. But at the end of the year, when we did our return, we were still, I mean, our total portfolio was up for sure. But just even on that one property, I remember we were like two to 3%, even though we had a massive expense on that property. And it was because of the four pillars. It was because we were actually making money in three other ways. And even though that repair wiped out our cash flow for the year, we were still positive. You know, that's really where I find so many people. I get the privilege and opportunity of doing a lot of the game plans right now with our community. And so many people come into their financial plan with this sense of scarcity and with this sense of urgency. And although everyone says, hey, you're in it for the long run and you should just ride out the short term, no one does that. Because when they see the only pillar that they have appreciation going down like a rock, most people can only ride that roller coaster for a couple of weeks or maybe months before they panic and they get out. However, on our end, you know, when they start aligning with the four pillars, when you experience a bump in one of the pillars, you're, I mean, you're not stressed because you're still up overall because you, you were able to make money in multiple ways. And it's, I mean, it it might sound easy and simple on a podcast, but guys, this will change your fundamental reality. So going back to where we started, analyze your personal portfolio, analyze where your money's at right now, ask yourself what you want. Do you want to retire? Do you want to be free? Do you want to own and control your time? And then ask yourself how many pillars you're earning inside of your investing. And guys, if you are like where most of us started, earning only one rate of return with one pillar, guess what? You probably already know it. That's why you're listening to this podcast. You are stuck. And it's time to now ask yourself a question. What are you going to do about it? Now, Ryan, as we're getting kind of revved up in this, why don't you talk about anybody coming to the top of your mind in the Cashflow Tactics community that has 
definitely benefited from understanding the four pillars. Man, you know, everyone, everyone, we've, we've now done this with hundreds of people, but you know, just yesterday I was able to do two game plans with two of our empire builders who have been in the game for one year. So we did a look back over what they've accomplished in just one year's worth of time. And it's really like a decade in a day. It's a way to collapse time. And what takes most people 40 years, people accomplish, you know, 40 years of results in 12 months. And it's amazing. You know, yesterday I had an opportunity to talk with Armando. Armando has been in our community now for just over a year. He dropped all of the appreciation, all of the speculation, all of the hoping for one day and realigned with the vault and cash flowing real estate. And he is now in a fundamentally different position. And it was really interesting talking about his game plan yesterday. Yes, his financial life is night and day different than what it was. You know, with COVID, he's expecting to take a 20 to a 40% reduction in his income. And guess what? He's not stressed at all. He's not stressed at all because he has the cash flow. But here's the interesting thing. His outlook on life, you know, trickling down all the way to his marriage, everything in his life has improved because the stress and the chaos around finance has dissipated over the last 12 months. His life is different. And then Miles, Miles in our game, you know, he, when he came, and this is why we say regardless of your age, income, or experience, Miles had been a really good saver. And he came into the game thinking that you pay off your mortgage as fast as you can, and that's the path to financial freedom. And the only asset that he had was equity in his home. We showed him how to redirect his focus and focus on the four pillars. And now one year into the game, he's cash flowing over a thousand dollars a month. He's one tenth of the way to his target. And that's after just one year and redeploying his focus from equity, from net worth to cash flow. So guys, the core four, the four pillars, having a target in sight, this will revolutionize what you focus on. And ultimately it will revolutionize your financial plan. And that has a ripple effect throughout every aspect of your life. All righty. So, and I do think this was a, by the way, this was a quick scan of the four pillars. I think we'll do an episode on each pillar. Don't you guys think? That's a good idea. Because especially that leverage one, like you can go so deep and so there's so many angles to look at it. So this was a quick scan, but if you guys are enjoying this podcast, if you want to get involved in the Cashflow Tactics community, we have a five-day financial challenge on our Facebook page. Please go there. Also stay tuned for more episodes because we owe each pillar its own episode because you can really go deep with all of that. But in the meantime, before you sign up for the Financial Freedom Challenge, And if you're already in the community, just be thinking to yourself, start living, because I know this is what benefited me after that boat trip with Brad. I just started looking at everything. Does it have four pillars? Yes, go forward. Does it have four pillars? No. And I just got it out of my mind. I got it out of my sight. I started living with core four, four pillars blinders, and I started moving incredibly fast. So we appreciate you guys uh, listening to our podcast. Uh, You guys got anything else, fellas? That's That's it. it. That's like, it, guys. Share, Focus. Subscribe, do all the things. Heck yeah. See you on the yep. next one. Like, share, subscribe. My self esteem's never been higher because of all the <laughs> downloads, comments, and Instagram likes. Talk to you guys later. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that last episode and thanks so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like us to answer raw and uncut on this podcast? All you need to do is head over to the Apple Podcast and do three simple things. Number one, leave a rating and review telling us what you think of the podcast. Number two, in that review, ask anything you want related to your path to becoming financially free. And third, if you want to shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your questions answered live, raw, and uncut. Join us next time on the Rise Up Live Free Podcast.